1: a Catholic voice, wherever you are. Uh, We are in the Advent season, and uh, Bishop Sheen gave a number of Christmas reflections over the years, and so I thought I would share two of them with you today. One of them has a very unique title. Uh, In fact, both of these shows have unique titles. The first one is Content with Sawdust Brains. Now, I had to think about that. What does he mean by sawdust brains? But uh, I looked it up, and back in the good old days, they used to use sawdust as the stuffing in a number of toys. And so uh, today it seems to be all these uh, different fibers that that we use, but uh, back in the good old days, they used sawdust, and so uh, that was normal. So there's going to be a little reference to some dolls, uh, with a sawdust brains, So I'll leave that to your imagination. And the second reflection that Bishop Sheen will give is entitled Superman and Christmas. And uh, again, the imagination, uh, I'll just leave it to uh, Bishop Sheen to uh, somehow tie those two uh, figures together, Superman and Christmas. And uh, again, Uh, Bishop Sheehan will not disappoint. And so I'm looking forward to that. Now I'd like to take uh, a moment to thank each and every one of you for your generosity over the years. Uh, You've been so faithful to our apostolate and uh, your contributions. uh, Again, Reda Maria has been in existence for years, and uh, by the grace of God, uh, we continue to be on the air. And so it is through your Uh, inspirations and your sacrifices, uh, that we do what we do. And so I'd ask you to be as generous as you can during the Christmas time and to make an offering to us. And um, again, we're trying to share the gospel, uh, to preach the good news. And uh, during this Advent time, we want to tell the world that God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that uh, Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. And so, again, we'd ask you to prayerfully uh, discern giving to our humble apostolate here at Radio Maria Canada. All right, so let us now enjoy the wit and wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen as he shares with us a reflection, content with sawdust brains. Please enjoy.
2: Friends, I have a very humiliating story to tell you about a bishop. This friend of mine went to Texas and And a friend uh, loaned the car. And while he was being driven from one city to another, the chauffeur kept addressing him as, Yes, Rose. No, Rose. That's right, Rose. (laughs) And finally the bishop said, uh, I'm a bit curious, why do you call me Rose? He said, that's the way the madam told me to address you. No, said the bishop, it could not possibly have been that. Well, what did he say? Well, uh, he said, you should say either Your Excellency or Your Grace. Oh, Grace, Grace, Rose, Rose, I knew it was a lady's name. Tonight we are going to tell you about Christmas. Just suppose that you came into a city a perfect stranger... And you saw many people walking down the street, hilarious and gay and happy and exchanging gifts and greetings with one another and showing every manifestation of affection. And you found no apparent reason for it. You would wonder if they were out of their heads. At this time, everyone is happy. I wonder if they know why they're happy. It has every aspect to being a marriage. So we shall tell you the story of Christmas in terms of dolls. Yes, dolls. But before we show you the dolls, I must tell you something about Christmas in the world and what it has done to the world. Christmas has done, first of all, something to time. And then something to space. And finally, to the missing link. First of all, Christmas did something to time. Everyone is born in a certain era of time. Say one, When eternity came to this earth and established his beachheads in Bethlehem, time was struck with such a terrific impact that it was split in two. That is why all the periods of history are divided since the first Christmas into the period of before Christ and after Christ. Anno, Domini, the year of our Lord. And even the communists who deny God and our Christ, they nevertheless have to date all of their newspapers. as 1,953 years after his birth. And then space, too, was turned upside down. The Greeks used to believe that their gods were dwelling on Olympian heights. And that worried them to some extent. Because if God is way up there, what does he know about our suffering? They wanted a God who was down in the dust of human lives. God that was way up there, what did he know about being a refugee? Being homeless. Was he ever betrayed? Did he ever suffer? Did he ever come close to death? And when the Son of God was born under the floor of the world, he shook the foundations of the world and turned space upside down. For up until then, mothers always used to say, as they held children in their arms, heaven is way, way up there. The day that this woman held a babe in her arms, it was true to say that she looked down to heaven. And finally, the missing link is related to Christmas. During the last 100 years, men have been concerned about finding their relationship to the beast. And it is during that period of time that man has most acted like a beast. Christmas is the discovery of the missing link. Not the link that binds a man to the beast, but the link that binds man to God. And that divine babe is the real cave man, born in the cave of Bethlehem, and the light that is shining in his eyes is not that of a beast coming to the dawn of reason, but the light of a God coming to the darkness of men, and his name is not Piltdown. his name is Christ, for he is the link, being God and man, between both, for life we discover now is not a push from below, but a gift from above. Such is Christmas in relationship to history. Now, I'm going to explain it to you in terms of dolls. And you see there are dolls who have been broken and you've heard the music, have you not, of Miss Peavy. She takes the part of a doll and she wonders whether the little girl will love her anymore. Listen to her now, as she asks the girl.
3: I'm a little doll who was dropped and broken, falling off my mommy's knees. I'm a little doll who has just been mended, now won't you tell? is my nose in place have i got a cute expression on my face i'm a blue eyes bright do i look all to right? be taken home christmas day when i first came here just a month ago brought in by
2: some of the broken dolls that we're going to use to illustrate Christmas. Which one is the Tony? (laughs) This one has an Italian hairdo. It looks like
3: spaghetti.
2: (laughs) This has a hole in its head. It's very open-minded. And uh, this one was asked a question about whether or not he was a loyal American and he had been to hit the Fifth Amendment and lost his head to Russia. <laughs> this is the only boy in the lot. He asked for a woman's hand and found the rest of his life he was under her thumb. <laughs> well, these were the broken dolls, and the little girl was very much concerned with the broken dolls, and she asked the broken dolls if they would like to be mended. And they were rather indifferent to it, and then she said, well, how would you like to become a little girl? You have only sawdust brains, and you've got just a rag heart. You have no life in you. Wouldn't you like to be alive just as I am? And the little doll said, first of all, how do we know there's any such thing as a life beyond us? We only know sawdust. And then the doll said, that means we'd have to get cleaned up, doesn't it? And we like to be dirty. (laughs) So the little girl was very much concerned as to what she could do to induce the dolls to become little girls. And she heard of a lady that could make the most beautiful doll that ever lived, though she'd never made a doll. And the little girl, whose name was Gundy, sent an angel to this beautiful lady and asked her to make a doll. And the little girl, in order to teach the dolls what they should be, became a live doll. And this is the little girl. She told the dolls that if they would become alive like she was, they could think and they would know things that they never knew before and they would also love one another. And she did everything she could to induce the dolls to become little girls. And some of the little dolls did consent to be little girls, and then the others went off to the psychiatrist. <laughs> Now, to make the application, these dolls here represent human nature, battered and weary, worn, full of anxieties and fears, have some knowledge but is very incomplete, have an aspiration for goodness, but there still does not seem to be enough inner power to implement that desire. And then, too, there's a kind of a drag toward evil. God wants to know if they would like to become not just creatures, but his children. And just as the dolls became little girls so that they were alive for the life of a human being. So God asked that man become a child of God. And he did not want to destroy human freedom. so what he did was to come to this earth as a man. He went to the most beautiful woman who ever lived. And through so an angel said to her, Will you give me a man? And the woman said, Fiat, be it done just as the little girl had gone to a great lady and asked to become a doll so that she had within herself her own human nature and her own human personality, and with it the nature of the doll, so too God asked this woman to give him a man, so that in the person of Christ there was the nature of a man, there was the nature of God, they were united, in the person of God. Just as imperfectly, I have a body, I have a soul, the nature of each is different, but I'm still one person. And so he came to this earth in order to try to induce us, in order to change our nature, to be more than we are. He pointed to all creation that he had made. And he said here, for example... Chemicals are becoming plants, and plants are becoming animals, and animals are being transformed into man. Why should not man be transformed into something divine? Not that man would ever be as divine as he is. Man could in some way share his nature, and then have added to his human reason, light that transcended human reason, namely the light of faith. And then have added to his will strength and an energy and a power that was not of earth that would enable him to do the things that were good and righteous. Therefore, you see, when he came to this earth, it was not to give us a code, was not to give us a law. It was not to have some secretaries write books that we might read and carry about with us, merely as we might carry about Plato or Socrates. It was rather that we might be infected with his divine life, not just be men, but children of God. And when finally eternity came to time, and housed himself in that flesh taborium of his blessed mother, remember that at Christmas you cannot separate a babe from a mother. If you do, you will soon separate Christ from Christmas, and he housed himself in his mother. And she thought about for a place where he might be born. And following an edict of Caesar Augustus, she went to the royal city of Bethlehem, for she was of a royal family. And the story simply is, you remember, there was no room in the inn. The creator came to this earth, There was no room for him, no room in the inn. The inn is the gathering place of public opinion. There was no room there. And there in this place, it was called the house of bread. Be'es Lechem in Hebrew. He the living bread is laid in the place of food. The manger. And the angels speak to the shepherds and say and this will be to you a sign. A sign of what? A sign that God on earth in the form of a man. What will be the sign? This will be the sign. A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Omnipotent, swathed in the bonds of humanity, eternity and time. Omnipresence in bonds. The bird that built the nest is hatched therein. There came to the babe shepherds and wise men. Shepherds, those who know, they know nothing. Wise men, those who know, they do not know everything. Never the man with one book. never the man who thinks that he knows. The only two who ever find the God-man are the very humble and simple like the shepherd, and the very learned like the wise men. Now that Christmas is on the problem that confronts each and every one of us is What does it profit Christ to be born in Bethlehem a thousand times unless he's also born in our own heart? Not everyone wants to be born like the dolls. Not every one of them wanted to be clean. Some of them say they want to have their nature changed and then the others run off to Freudian psychoanalysts. Those who want their nature changed find themselves living in a different world with a different mind and a different love. And they're so very happy. You want to go through life with sawdust brains. With rag hearts. loveless bodies. That's the challenge of Christmas. It is not something that has happened, it is something that is happening. And hence the great question that we have to ask is, in terms of the doll, is my heart on straight? Is my soul in place? Do I have a love expression on my face? Is my soul full of God's light? Do I look all right to be taken to the crib on Christmas morn?
1: Our sincere thanks to the Fulton J. Sheen Company who has given us permission to share these broadcasts with you today. I invite you to make Bishop Sheen a part of your family audio and video collection. You can call them toll-free at 1-866-357-4336 or visit the official website for purchasing Catholic Family videos and DVDs of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen's recordings from the Catholic television series, Life is Worth Living. The web address is www.bishopsheen.com. You will find rare collections of Catholic family video recordings addressing a variety of topics such as morality, Mary the Mother of God, angels, Catholic Holy Days, and other faith-based subjects. So call toll-free today. 1-866-357-4336. One eight six six three five seven four three three six 357 4336 Again, one eight six six three five seven four three three six 357 4336 And on the web, www.bishopsheen.com. And on behalf of Bishop Sheen, God love you.
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program... Your Life is Worth Living, hosted by Al Smith.
1: Hello, Radio Maria family, and welcome to another edition of Your Life is Worth Living here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. I hope you enjoyed that reflection entitled, Content with Sawdust Brains. And you can see how Bishop Sheen uh, just had a great uh, charm about him to, uh, you know, discuss the Christmas season All the trappings, all the activities, but to always point us to Jesus, always point us to our Lord. And uh, hopefully we're not falling into many traps this year that we are keeping focused, that we are uh, saying our prayers and really pondering this great mystery of God so loving the world that he sent his only son to be born in a manger. And uh, again, we uh, again can get lost Uh, with the noise of the world so i pray that you're having a good and holy advent all right so we will now uh share this second reflection entitled superman and christmas please enjoy
2: a mother told her little boy to go into the parlor and turn on television he was distracting the mother and he turned the dial and he caught a picture of me on television. He ran out, said to his mother, Ma, Superman. Well, here is Superman in a new costume with even a new title tonight, Superman and Christmas. What has Superman got to do with Christmas? You know what Superman does, Batman. And then these men, we have mother planets. Isn't it interesting how many of those we have in our world today who, uh, first of all, seem to come from somewhere else, just as Superman does. And quickly he changes his costume. He puts on, he goes into a telephone booth or a closet, just as an ordinary mortal, and he puts on the form and the habit Superman and then once he's broke through with this great power of his then he begins to do wonders he relieves us in our afflictions helps damsels in distress defends those who have been persecuted lover of the poor and the socially disinherited. And this intensely pleases the American people. Why is it that programs of this kind are so popular? I think there's a subconscious reason, almost an unconscious one. First of all, we know that the help that we need is not just among us ordinary mortals and the affairs of daily life. If we are to have the inner strength that we need, it has to come from outside. We've never expressed this, perhaps, in so many words. But we know the need of it. And Superman, Batman, and men from other worlds, they satisfy our needs, at least from the point of view of imagination. They give us what we lack. We know that of and by ourselves we are not enough. Just as the music that we love is the music we already have in our own hearts, so too the amusements that we like are the unconscious expressions of hidden desires. Superman is the desire for Christmas. It should not be hard for our generation to understand Christmas. Now, I'm going to show you how Superman and Christmas are somewhat alike. I really didn't need to use this blackboard tonight, but uh, I'm going to use it just for this one illustration so my angel can... it it would be terrible to have a Christmas show and not use my angel. (laughs) The Superman... ...comes from outside. There's a kind of a breakthrough. Is that clear? Oh, yes. It gets clearer, doesn't it? You're right. This is unusual chalk. <laughs> Invisible chalk. First, there's a breakthrough. And then, because he helps others, there is a kind of a renovation, a strength, strengthening, and aiding. Now, Christmas is just this. First, there is a breakthrough. And instead of someone going into a closet and taking on the form and the substance of a Superman, the breakthrough this time is the God God coming down to earth, breaking through time, splitting it, Splitting it so much so that from that time on to this it's B.C. and A.D. But there's this difference from Superman. And this is very important. Superman goes from weakness to power. The breakthrough of Christmas is from power to weakness. You saw the picture of the crib when the show began. Here is infinity and littleness. See, this isn't a man getting strong. This is a God becoming weak. He who made the world in the world, even rejected by it. You made the nest as nestled therein. The tiny little hands that are not quite long enough to reach the huge heads of the cattle. And the hands that hold the reins that steer the sun and moon and stars in their courses. is wrapped in swaddling bands. Divinity, enclosed, wrapped, confined, cabin, cribbed, helpless as a babe. What a difference between Superman and this breakthrough. Not a manifestation of power to please the pride of man with humility. To humble man's pride. This, this idea of a God becoming a man that you saw there in the crib is something that's very hard for us to realize. Just suppose a, suppose you love dogs. And you were sorrowful for the way dogs were treated by some masters or neglected. You had the power to dispossess yourself of your body. But you could do with your soul what you wanted. And you took that soul of yours and you put it into the body of a dog. And when you did that, you would resolve, but rarely to exceed the limitations of that dog organism. What a humiliation that would be. You know, you know that you had a mind that could write poetry and that could study science <clears throat> and absorb literature and understand Dante and Aquinas, and yet. Here you were in the body of a dog. And then there would be another humiliation. And that other humiliation would be because you went into the organism of a dog, you would have to associate with other dogs, knowing all the while that you were better, that you were a man. You think it humbling? become a dog just simply to give dogs examples of good conduct well what do you think it is for this breakthrough not going into a closet but going into a stable and a crib being bound with swaddling bands that's the difference in the superman weakness instead of power and then the other difference, is that Superman, when he comes to this earth of ours to do his wonders, only touches the environment. He touches what is outside of man. In other words, I've never seen chalk like that before. (laughs) Angel, where did you get it? You've got to wait for an effect It's like telling a funny story. It just doesn't happen all at once. (laughs) All that he, all the Superman does is to change circumstances on the outside. But he does not touch man on the inside. That's the difference. And when God becomes man, when we have Christmas, he leaves circumstances very much the way they are. He leaves Roman soldiers parading through the streets. The same problems. Pain suffering and hunger and so forth. But he begins reforming the hearts of men. And once they are reformed, then if they live according to his way, then they'll do away with these boring things of indigence. And suffering. So the God-man works in the heart of a man. It's very much as if... Now, I wonder if my angel will use an invisible eraser. <laughs> now, this, uh, this internal operation of God, when he comes to this earth, may be likened to uh, to a plague. Suppose that there was, oh, something in the world today like the Black Death during the Middle Ages, remember, that wiped out one-third of the population of Europe. And suppose a great scientist found a remedy for that plague. And he made the remedy available to the whole human race. There would be some who would come to be relieved. Others might not. Now, that's just exactly what happened when God came to this earth. We're all willing to have our circumstances changed. We'd like to have more money. Maybe live in a different house. But do we want our thinking changed? we want our loves changed? And the God-man who came to this earth came for the remedy for moral and spiritual plagues, came to make us happy on the inside. Not everyone wants it. He came into his own and his own received him not. Now this is Christmas in terms of the Superman. Now let me reduce it to a concrete case. The breakthrough, how he operates through what we call his grace, that means an illumination of the intellect and a strengthening of character. I did a great deal of work in my life in Soho Square District of London, which is the international area of London. And in one church there, Because I was an American, I had to get up early and read the first Mass, the English sleep late. Well, this was Christmas morning, Christmas. And that night there had been a heavy London fog. Believe me, our smogs here in New York are nothing compared to the fog of London. When I opened the door, a limp figure fell in. It was a young woman, she'd been asleep against the door, almost frozen. And I said, how how did you happen to be here? She said, I don't know, Father. I said, oh, Father. Yes, she said, I, I used to be a Catholic, but not anymore. I said, how did you happen to be here? Well, she said, "I, I don't know, I was a bit drunk. Well, I said, men often drink because they like The stuff and women drink because they don't like something else. What didn't you like? (laughs) Well, she said, I didn't like the three men. She says that I was going with, and they were beginning to find it out. I was playing false to them. So I got drunk. What is your name? She told me her name. Pointing to a billboard on the Cross and Blackwell jam office building across the way. I said, is that your picture there? Yes, she says, I'm the leading lady in that musical comedy. Well, I went in, made her a cup of coffee, and I said, come back now this afternoon. And she said, uh, I will come back on one condition, that you don't ask me to go to confession. I said, all right. She said, I want you to promise me faithfully that you will not ask me to go to confession. I said, I promise you faithfully not to ask you to go to confession. So she came back that afternoon before matinee. And uh, I said, we have a a Rembrandt and a Van Dyck in this church. Would you like to see them? She said, yes. So as we walked down the side aisle, we passed the confessional box. I pushed her in. (laughs) I didn't ask her to go. (laughs) I always keep my
3: promises.
2: (laughs) Well, she went to communion, she was there month after month, and... and then she became a nun in London. And she's still living, as a nun. Now here you see the breakthrough Not the breakthrough into a crib, but the breakthrough, well, into a stable. A heart that's a stable. And then, when the breakthrough happened, there was a change. A renovation of heart and character. So that she was no longer what she was before. It was not the outside that was changed, it was the inside. Now that's what Christmas is. Christmas is not just something that has happened. It's something that is happening. And some of us, we're afraid of it. It's very much like people go through life not knowing they have cancer. They're unhappy. They're, they're sick. They're a bit miserable, but they don't know why. If a doctor tells them that they have cancer, then their whole attitude toward life changes. They may be able eventually to find a remedy. So people stay away from this babe of Christmas. They stay away from Christ. They're a bit afraid. Unbelief is dread of the truth about ourselves. That's unbelief. Faith is a willingness to face the truth about ourselves. And when we do, Well, once that original dread is overcome and we admit the breakthrough, then we're changed. And then our mind is illumined, our will is strengthened. We have a great joy and happiness. So I say, therefore, it's hard for some people to accept Christmas. But I'm going to give you a tip because I'm talking to everybody. I always do on television. If you do not want to start there, in that stable, with the full recognition of that breakthrough, I will tell you where to start. Start loving your fellow man. Start loving your neighbor. And begin to love him, not just because of what he can do for you, because of any because of any pleasure anyone gives you. But just love him as a fellow man, and then eventually you begin to see that he's a creature of God. The only unhappy people in this world are the people who are selfish. And I have known in this world some people who just loved humanity. Won't you begin to love really and truly? Please do that for me. And you will eventually come to know the true meaning of Christmas. Then you will have a Merry Christmas.
4: Amen. Mm-hmm.
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, Your Life is Worth Living, hosted by Al Smith.
1: Hello, Radio Maria family, and welcome to another edition of Your Life is Worth Living. I hope you enjoyed that musical rendition of the Ave Maria by David Argeletta. And it's funny how every Christmas album, uh, it doesn't matter what artist it is, They always include the Ave Maria. Now, I don't know why it gets included in Christmas albums. Uh, It's a song we sing all year, so uh, I have to giggle and laugh. But again, a beautiful song, and I'm glad I was able to share it with you uh, today. And so, uh, everyone, uh, have a blessed avid season. We hope to see you again next time. And until that time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace.
0: You have been listening to Your Life is Worth Living, hosted by Al Smith, here on Radio Maria Canada.